go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now, runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Green Dot, EAA's podcast for everyone and anyone who loves aviation. The Green Dot, sponsored by GE Aviation. Today, uh, we're, we're having another uh, exciting show. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Otherwise, it'd be weird, and we'd all be just talking to ourselves. Um, I'm Chris Hedry. I'm the Museum Programs Manager here at EAA. Uh, and to my right... Uh, David Lighting, Chapter Field Representative here at EAA. So you're filling in for Tom and Hal. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. You've got to feel a lot of power. Yeah, i got to fill in four shoes, and I only have two feet. So. <laughs> well, uh, as I always say, my favorite episodes are the ones where we get to have guests on and share some stories. Uh, David, today is one of those episodes. Do you want to tell us who we have? Yeah, today we have Greg Hughes, who is the president of EAA Chapter 105 in Portland, Oregon, and is also the director of media, marketing, and community for Vans Aircraft. So, Greg, welcome. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing Good. great. Good. Thanks Doing for coming. Doing great. So, Greg, uh, just to kick things off, do you want to talk a little bit about how you first got uh, started in aviation? What was the, the catalyst to get you involved in how you ended up where you are today sure yeah so when i was a kid a teenager i had a couple of uncles that were private pilots and um there was a couple of summers when i had the opportunity to go and visit uh, and unknowingly ended up in airplanes and flying places like one time flew up to toronto and uh, another one another uncle was a member of a of a flying club uh, at the time even then and uh and remember flying in a 172 I can still see it in my mind and remember the tail number, and it really stuck. Um, when also, when I was a kid, you know, my mom made a point of, you know, we would drive by the airport down the road, uh, and she would, I think she actually timed it to where she knew when the Ross Airlines Twin Otter was going to take off because it was on a schedule, and we would drive by and pull off to the side and because uh, it was exciting to watch, you know. So that's, so the, as a kid, there was a, an early interest. Um, I I didn't actually learned to fly until about 12 years ago so um and uh i was uh working uh and at a startup which got acquired um i was redundant <laughs> uh after a while and and um was started to do some contracting left do some contracting but had a little bit of free time uh and was at a point in life where i could actually uh take the time and and make the investment to learn to fly and so i did that and at a Twin Oaks Air Park in Hillsborough, Oregon is where I where I learned to fly and ended up eventually actually moving into a house next door to there and lived there for a while. And now I live on a residential air park uh, closer to Vans and on the southeast side of Portland. But um, that's that's probably my learning to fly story. Um, aviation has been something that's always been of interest to me. I took a helicopter ground school once 20 years ago just because I wanted to and did one flight lesson in a helicopter because that's what I could afford. Uh, and that that was interesting um, compared to a fixed wing airplane. That was really interesting. Uh, so um, it was you know, it was kind of an organic process. It took a while uh, to get from here to there, but uh, but once I got started, I mean, I can honestly say that it legitimately and seriously changed my life and direction in you know where the motivation is and the passion is. Yeah, I think uh, I think we can all say that about aviation. Is from the day you first get involved, it really does change the trajectory of your life and who you hang around. And uh, obviously you're surrounded by a group of fun EAA members there at Twin Oaks. So when did you first get involved with uh, the EAA chapter there? So I got involved um, again about 11 years ago. So it was right after I had uh, learned to fly. So um, I ended up uh, shortly after getting my private pilot certificate, 
um, picking up a used Cherokee, a warrior, um, and almost right away got involved in Young Eagles and Flying Kids. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And then involved in the EA chapter and going to the meetings. And then um, uh, Jerry Van Grunsven is, is Dick Van Grunsven's brother, older brother. Uh, and he was an airline pilot for, for years and years and flew helicopters and whatnot. But he came to me after one one day afterwards, and I knew I was doing Young Eagles and knew that I've worked with kind of kids and career over time. Um, and asked me if I'd be interested in, in maybe coming over and helping out with a program called Teen Flight. So where they build airplanes, little RV-12 airplanes, with groups of teenagers. And so I got involved there. Um, and that was my that was my real deep dive introduction to experimental aviation, right, was going over and uh, putting hands on tools that I'd never used before uh, and helping helping to you know, communicate things to kids and helping them learn and learning myself in the process. And, uh, and I was pretty much doomed from that point. I, I, that was, that was probably the point at which my life fundamentally started to change. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. I ended up, uh, picking up an RV-8A kit, uh, which I'm still working on. Uh, it's getting close, but it's still working on. And, and, uh, and then eventually down the road that led to, to working at Vans Aircraft. So was the uh, the RV uh, 8A you said you're working on right now, was mm-hmm. that uh, a project you acquired before or after Teen Flight, or was that something where Teen Flight inspired you to, to start your own project? So I was working on Teen Flight, and a friend of mine who is a mentor there, Jim Mitchell, uh, he actually had the RV 8A project, and there was one of the uh, – or two, one man, one young man and one young woman that were working on helping Jim work on that airplane. But he was at the point where he wasn't uh, wasn't likely to finish it, um, and was looking for somebody who would be interested. And the eight is you know an airplane that I fell in love with many years ago uh, when I first saw it, um, and it was a it was a right opportunity at the right time. And so I took that over. It was when I got it, it was pre quick build stage, um, and now it's uh, you know. 90% done, 90% to go. So probably more like 95, 95. So, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's coming along. So, um, I started working at Vans about a year and a half ago and I thought that I would have more time, uh, with that change to be able to work on it, but that just hasn't been the case. So, uh, it's, I have a, I have to pick and choose my time carefully to get in there and, and get to work. They always laugh that the, uh, the guy with the worst roof is the guy who does roofs for a living. Uh, it's exactly right. Exactly right. And um, uh, and Vans is an amazing and fun place to work with some incredible people, uh, many of whom have been there for 25 plus years, you know, and, and they really, really know their stuff. But mostly there's really, really, really cool quality people. I'm really privileged to be able to work with them. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, can be could be pretty tired and and go home and yeah. uh i live i live in a house with a hangar right next to it and there's the airplane project and so i'll go in and work on it but um but a lot of times uh, i'm not home until late so it, it's it's time for dinner and bed that's got to be pretty exciting going to work there though at, at vans i mean that's a um such an important community to the experimental world and to the aviation community uh, you touched on a little bit of what the people, you know, what some of the people are like. But what is it like going to work there every day? It's um, it's like working in a candy store without the sugar. Um, it's it's really a cool place. Um, David's been there before, right? So yep. he, he's yep. seen it recently. And, um, you know, it's a combination uh, factory, uh, warehouse. We have a big hangar and a prototype shop. 
Uh, we do aircraft assembly for RV-12 ISs there. Um, so we have a lot of different things going on. And of course, just the business operation. Um, but, you know, still at least once a week, I walk through the factory or walk back through and walk through the forest of quick build fuselages and wings that are waiting to be shipped um, or walk by in the punch presses and or, or we're milling or punching out metal parts. And then I walk into the hangar where all these airplanes are and, you know, all of which are prototypes, you know, for the first ones. Uh, and I kind of have to pinch myself because it, it, it really is a pretty special place. You know, I mean, um, the number of lives that have been influenced and shaped and changed by the airplanes that Van has designed and others have designed at Van's aircraft um, is significant, right? I mean, well over 10,000 airplanes that we know of. Um, and when you, when you, I have the opportunity, um, one of the reasons I'm here now is I'm on a trip where I get to go and visit with our customers and people who are building airplanes um, and flying them. And, you know, to hear the stories of how those airplanes have impacted people's lives um, is really a lot of fun and, and pretty special. So being that you've gotten to spend a lot of time around all of the, the various models, and I'm assuming you've gotten to fly a majority of them, mm-hmm. have you met a Vans aircraft model you don't like? No, I haven't. No. Uh, and I, I say that honestly. I'm not just saying that. Um, they're, um, you know, the airplanes that we produce have been um, an evolutionary process. You know, the RV3 started as a, you know, Vans started with taking a Stitz Playboy, right, and modifying it. Um, in various stages and eventually built, you know, aluminum cantilevered wing that went on it, um, but pretty much took it as far as it could go and then went clean sheet for the RV3. And then people were saying, well, how can I get one? And that's really fundamentally how it all started. Then people wanted a two-seat airplane. And so that was the RV4 tandem version. Then, you know, Art Chard and others were saying, hey, well, I, you know, if my wife's going to go flying with me, I've got to have a side-by-side. And Art went and did did a first side-by-side prototype, and Van took it from there and took it a little further, and he had the RV-6. Um, you know, the RV-7 was basically just a kind of an upgraded RV-6, you know, easier to build, pre-punched parts, and, um, you know, the 8 came along because somebody wanted a bigger tandem airplane. Uh, and, you know, and the 8, uh, for me personally, the 8's my favorite airplane of the bunch, and we all have our favorites. Uh, you know, the 9 is a more efficient one, and the 10 is, you know, going to a four-seat, and that was a pretty big jump. You know, and then... Uh, the 12 is a light sport, and the 14 is the newest one. You know, it's, what, six years old now, and, and you know, it's a it's a Super 7, if you will, just a, kind of like a big RV7. What I tell people is, forgive me for this, but if an RV7 and an RV10 had a baby, it would grow up to be an RV14, right? So it's a big 7. Same airfoil as a 10. Uh, great flying airplane. Wow. Now, in just this year, you actually rolled out a new logo for the company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that... Um, that was that was one of the the projects that I took on when I first joined the company uh, about a year and a half or so ago was looking at um, one of the big things we needed to do was we, we knew that we needed to take the website uh, and update it um, and have it become much more modern and more visual uh, have it work on mobile devices maybe or and tablet devices and and generally present ourselves better um, and in the process of doing that what we realized was that um, that's the opportunity for the largest number of people around the world to actually interact with us and see us. And so while we were doing that, we needed to take a look at the brand as a whole, right? Um, and um, and see what should we or should we not do in order to represent Vans 
um, as a modern company, right, with you know modern technology that we're, we've continuously invested in, um, but not change the brand, right? Not, I mean, the company is a very strong company that's that's been very thoughtfully um, managed and run over time. Uh, that's it's gone through ups and the financial ups and downs um, of the economy uh, successfully. Um, and has been able to stick around. And there's honestly not a whole lot of aviation companies that have done that. But but also, um, you know, people who build and, and own and fly the airplanes, um, you know, they have a, a not just a financial connection or a physical connection with an airplane. You know, there's a bit of a personality connection or an emotional connection, too, to the brand. And so um, all of that was really important. And we, we uh, actually went through a, a pretty extended process to review the mark, the logo, if you will, and talk about who we are and what we are and why, um, who the customers are. So like a little piece of trivia was probably the most awkward question. So I went through an interview process with a lot of people and trying to figure out what, what direction should we be going. Probably the, I guess I can say this, the most awkward question that I asked was when I was sitting sitting across the table from Van and talking to him about this. And, um, and uh, the, so the leading question I asked was, was um, so pretend that Vans Aircraft is a person, right? The company's a person and died tomorrow. Uh, then what would you want the obituary to read, right? And um, but if you think about it, you know, I mean, um, this is a, a business with an important legacy uh, that a lot of people uh, have an attachment to, and so we wanted to be thoughtful about that in, in coming up with with what we did. Um, and uh, it's it's been pretty well received. Speaking of uh, of Dick, what has it been like getting to work around and get to know an aviation icon like Dick Van Grunsven? I mean, that's got to be a pretty unique experience. Sure, and Van. So Van's a great guy, and he's he's uh, more humble than you can probably describe, right? Uh, if you've met him, then you know that. Um, and uh, so I I first met Van through EAA 105, right? And getting involved in EAA. Uh, and then, and then especially going and working at Teen Flight because Dick is the lead mentor for Teen Flight. He's been doing it for years, and he spends every Saturday, six hours a day, plus time putting it together. You know, putting this program together, all of us as volunteers. Uh, and I still, I still volunteer periodically. Not don't have as much time as I used to, but but Van and and Jerry and Stan, his brothers and others, um, volunteer that time. And so, um, and that's very important to him. To be able to spend that time, but working with Van has been—I um, mean, first of all, um, he—he he just has a knack for things and, and a mind for uh, airplanes and aviation that's that's really unique. Um, and that's um, from my experience, you know, as a—and uh, I'm not an engineer, not even close, right? Not, uh, but but I am—I'm a consumer of of the airplanes, and I'm I'm a user, right? Um, and so to to have those conversations and honestly to have the opportunity to have the, hear the stories about things that have happened over time is really, really pretty special. Um, you know, and, and Van, uh, and the people that have worked with Van, Ryan Johnson is our chief engineer. Um, and he started, uh, oh, 20 plus years ago as an intern at Van's aircraft and was, you know, mentored by Van and, and learned from him and, uh, and to work with Ryan is amazing, and and Van still comes in a couple few times a week, right? So, kind of on his own schedule, he flies his RV12 from Sunset Air Park on the other side of Portland and hops on over and uh, lands, parks out back, and walks on in, and and uh, and so he's still he's still involved. What you touched on there, I think, is one of the things that's so 
uh, special about aviation and maybe even unique to, to our industry. And Chris, I know you've experienced this, but I don't think there's many other hobbies and professions out there where, you know, the quote unquote everyday Joe or everyday member gets to interact with people like Van. When Paul was with us, how Paul would walk the halls of EAA. I know you've had phone conversations in the membership center with astronauts. I mean, that's one of those things about aviation that I don't think you'll find anywhere else. And it's so cool to hear, you know, how these individuals stay connected and stay involved even through all their successes. And I think that's something really special, not just about aviation and um, but, uh, you know, specifically, uh, my experience with EAA has been, um, you don't just get to meet your heroes, you get to work alongside them. Right. And that, uh, that's pretty rewarding. Anytime you go to work and experience that, and there's not a lot of fields where you get to do that. I mean, that's pretty rare. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm relatively new at Vans Aircraft. Um, and, uh, you know, the opportunity to the people that I'm working with, you know, I, I can say that from an aviation world perspective that, you know, I do get to work with heroes of mine and people that I really look up to and that's a really special opportunity. Well, can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with uh, your chapter, Chapter 105? Sure. So um, Chapter 105 is uh, is based at Twin Oaks Air Park, which is uh, just south of Hillsborough, Oregon, so Portland area, southwest of Portland. And uh, we have a chapter hangar there. And so my involvement was um, really around I had just learned to fly. Um, and when I was learning to fly, but, but especially right after I learned to fly, was um, uh, there was, I, I was just interested in finding people and places to go just to interact with folks that were doing the same thing. And the EA chapter was, was right there uh, and was a great opportunity to do that. Um, we, they have, uh, we have a, uh, annually a few different events that we do, and one of them is the poker run. So, uh, and so it's five or six airports, well, five airports, you know, pick up the card at each airport, fly around, come back and then a barbecue. And, uh, and the way we do it is we do a white elephant gift thing. So everybody brings a gag gift or a real gift and it's wrapped up and then you go buy the poker cards and choose and the, the, the normal thing. Um, and so, and that, I think that event actually was the one that really kind of pulled me in and where I got to know people because we were doing something together and, 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 and that was a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, and so that, that was the first thing that really kind of drew me in. And then as I got to meet people and got to know them, um, it was just I found that there was a community of kind of like-minded people um, that were also passionate about things and also sort of interested in discovering and meeting new people. And, and so it was a natural place for me to be. Um, over time, as I got more and more involved, um, I became involved in, as I mentioned earlier, doing Young Eagles flights and flying a lot of Young Eagles flights early on, uh, and then uh, was asked to help doing some Young Eagles coordinating, and so I helped with a couple of the events. Um, and then uh, we have, a, we have a, a very active and quite successful scholarship program uh, with EA 105, and uh, I I uh, took over administration of that. I've been doing that for quite a few years now. And so uh, the youth activities coordination is something that I ended up getting involved in. And then and then eventually, not too long ago, um, I got a call that said, hey, you really need to, We really, I think what they actually said was, we really need you <laughs> to uh, to get involved as, uh, and, and be willing to be nominated as president of the chapter. And so I agreed to do that for, for a limited period of time, given how busy I am. But um, and that's been that's been a lot of fun and really interesting. So, 
um, our, our chapter has, is very focused on youth. Um, so uh, youth involvement, volunteerism, um, working with other programs like Airway Science for Kids, which does the teen flight program and a couple of other programs for younger kids uh, in the Portland area, uh, the scholarship program and, and what have you. And, and, um, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it can take a lot of time sometimes for me, but, but it's, uh, it's worthwhile time. So I know one of the scholarship programs you guys have been working on over the last six or seven months has been the Ray Aviation Scholarship right. Program, which is EAA's new scholarship program. We're working through EAA chapters. Thanks to the Ray Foundation, we're able to provide $10,000 flight training awards. And right. uh, Chapter 105 was one of the first chapters selected and one of the first ones to nominate a scholar. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that program, your scholar, Alexander? Sure. Um, Obviously, you guys got to share kind of a fun flight together following AirVenture and just kind of right, right. overview that whole whole experience. So um, so as you say, we applied for and were uh, accepted to be uh, one of the chapters that could administer and, and grant uh, the $10,000 uh, flight scholarship toward private pilot certificate, um, which is... Uh, which, by the way, just for the record, is an awesome thing. So thanks to the Ray Aviation Foundation and EAA for, for making that available. Um, so we, we've had a scholarship program, um, which turned out um, the criteria were, were very similar to what the criteria ended up being for the Ray Aviation Scholarship. Uh, and so um, it, was, it was pretty easy for us to, um, to, to find and select, if you will, uh, in this case a young man who uh, was really passionate um, about aviation, really wanted to learn to fly, um, and could really benefit from the scholarship um, and the mentoring that goes along with the Ray Aviation Scholarship and what have you. And so um, Alexander uh, is uh, uh, a young man who uh, was involved, is, is still involved in the teen flight program and building, building the airplanes in teen flight, uh, has, was, had taken a couple of quick flights, uh, introductory flights in aircraft, um, and really wanted to learn to fly, so uh, he received that scholarship earlier this year. And uh, he was doing his flight training prior to Oshkosh. He flew to Oshkosh uh, in uh, Teen Flight 1, which is the first RV-12, the first airplane ever built by kids. Um, so the programs retained that. Flew to Oshkosh and that, and then returned from Oshkosh. He'd never been to Oshkosh before. Uh, so, and he flew home from Oshkosh with me uh, in the 2018 One Week Wonder RV-12IS, so the current model RV-12. Um, so we flew that back from Oshkosh to Vans, um, and, and we could probably talk about what you did with it after that, I would imagine. But the uh, um, it was a it was a really great experience for him to be able to you know put his hands on the airplane and and uh, and really just uh, really talented. He since soloed. Uh, which was really exciting and is still flying and, and working on the written test prep and uh, is, is really doing really well. So the scholarship, um, you know, in this case I can say has provided an opportunity for, for a young person who, you know, I, the, it's an opportunity that's a life-changing opportunity. Um, and I know that uh, I think you've recently announced that, you know, that chapters that have uh, been grants, uh, successfully done grants uh, this year, um, can do a matching funds type of grant in addition to applying for next year's scholarship. And I, I, I really like what you all are doing and what Ray Aviation Foundation is doing in, in making these available. Um, 
uh, I can I can truly say that it is making a real difference in not just an aviation difference, but a people a human difference in people's lives, and that's pretty special to see. It's really been one of the the, the more rewarding programs uh, to see come out of EAA, and specifically specifically for the chapters in the last couple of years. And uh, it's cool that the foundation has uh, upped their their financial backing thanks to all the hard work that our chapters are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a testament to you guys out in the field, not us at headquarters because you guys are the boots on the ground making it happen getting these kids involved um real quick before i want to jump back so because this was alexander's first trip to air venture i always love to hear what a first timer's experience is like at oshkosh did he share any exciting stories what he thought the most uh exciting highlight of the week was for him well i mean i think you know i i mean i can still remember what it was like the first time i came to air venture you know and your eyes turn into saucers and at least the first couple of days, every time a every time noise goes overhead, you know you're you're getting whiplash looking north or up, um, and uh, and that was his experience too. So he had a, a great opportunity with his peers here to be able to see new things. And I, I honestly, I think it was pretty overwhelming. I know he was very tired. <laughs> he was really tired, um, and and that in combination with you know the flight out and the flight back was was really a experience of a lifetime for him. Um, uh, I always I've tried to explain both to the kids that come out here for the first time as well as even adults that are coming for the first time kind of what Air Venture is like but you know how it is you can't describe it to somebody and accurately do it it's much bigger and uh, and and in a good way crazier than than you can explain it you know I mean the number of people and the number of airplanes and the size is just truly amazing I, I mean anybody who's never been to Air Venture before. Um, you know, it's a huge event. I mean, it's EAA's big fundraiser. Um, and I mean, that's, and it's a really important thing. It's a great show, but it also is what gives EAA the opportunity to be able to do all of the other things that EAA does for aviation. And what EAA does for aviation is, is huge and amazing and really important. What, what I think is really cool is folks like yourself, the rest of the chapter network out there, the folks obviously at the Ray Aviation Foundation, what you're doing is, is exactly what your uncles and your mom did, right. just on a, on, a, on a, what's the support with a bigger level. Mm-hmm. But you're still taking excitement of youth, getting them more hands-on than ever before, and actually getting them those experiences. And I think that's really cool that you know, you ha- everybody has somebody who supported you as a kid, right. sparked that interest wherever they could. They didn't have a Ray Aviation Foundation or maybe a chapter close to them back then, but your mom could take you out to the airport and let you see that right. airplane take right. off. And I think that's cool that uh, it's sort of building uh, on that, you know, without even knowing she was probably really lighting a fire. Well, every mentor at Teen Flight, for example, says, wow, I really wish I would have had this when I was a kid. Or everybody that hears about it is like, whoa, if I had that when I was a kid, I would have been all over it. Um, and the scholarships, it's the same thing. You know, but I um, – it's an interesting thing about pilots and people in aviation. We want to share the passion with other people. I mean, it's a very common thing, you know, and whether it's a, um, this is something I really love to do and I've loved it since I was a kid. So, you know, other kids that are excited, I want to be able to share that with them or if it's a pay it forward kind of thing. It doesn't really matter the exact motivation, but the, the beautiful thing about it is, is that it happens, right? Um, and, you know, for young people that are out there, you know, the opportunities in aviation that are for the future are great and many. Um, and, uh, and it's a great time to be to start getting involved in, in aviation, whether it's professional or general aviation, either way. Um, it's it's an exciting time. 
I know in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest, it's really kind of an aviation hotbed in itself. I know a lot of people look at you know the Midwest and specifically Wisconsin, and you see have Oshkosh here and a lot of other great fly-ins. But uh, my experience is briefly visiting up there, I could get a sense that there was a great aviation community. Uh, obviously, you had the 2018 uh, RV-12 one-week wonder up there. Right. What did it mean to you to get to share that aircraft with just a small sliver of that aviation community for the few weeks that, that you were able to, to tour that around? Yeah, well, you, the, you know, the concept of like six degrees of separation or, or whatever that is, right, I, is, is really interesting. And so, um, you know, with the opportunity to take the one-week wonder airplane, you know, EA's airplane back there, um, and took it to a couple of events, right? Took it to the air show of the Cascades, for example, in Madras, Oregon, just a quick hop over the hills, and um, and parked it there, and people came up and they said, oh, this is the airplane that they built at Oshkosh? Or, or I would explain to them, oh, we built this at Oshkosh, Wisconsin last year, if they weren't familiar with their adventure, because, uh, and they were like, oh, my, my sister uh, told me that she that she helped build this or that she put a rivet in it and the airplane has all of the names of of people that pulled at least one rivet or did work on the airplane in some way shape or form and and there was people from all over the place that were walking around and looking for people's names on the wings it was a really and to be able to tell the story uh, it was just a really cool thing and and it also tells the story that building an airplane is something that doesn't matter who you are you can do you know, it's a it's a very approachable thing. It's possible and it's tangible. You can see it, you can touch it, you can put your hands on it. People's, I don't know how many names are on there, more than 2,000 or? Yeah, 2,500. 2,500 names, you know, uh, people that learned, walked up, learned in a few minutes how to pull, how to do a pulled rivet, a blind rivet, walked over to the wings and actually put a rivet in the wing and pulled it. Um, you know, that's that's part of building an airplane. Um, so the the skills are, are skills that, you know, I mean, EAA has always tried to show, you know, that people can pick up and it's not rocket science. You know, we're not building, we're not going to Mars, we're just going to Denver or wherever <laughs> we're going, right? Or we're hopping down to get a hamburger. And, uh, you know, and uh, you know I, I never thought that I would be building an airplane. I mean, not in a million years did I ever think that I'd be building an airplane, but but once I got around it and got involved, I mean, you know, I mean, it's beyond contagious. I mean, I was completely infected, and it's you know, the world changed fundamentally uh, when that happened. One of the things you just mentioned there, you talked about bringing it up to the air show, the Cascades. You said yeah. it was just a quick hop over the hills. Right. How big are these hills here in the Midwest? Uh, our hills are just <laughs> a couple hundred feet. You don't have hills here in the Midwest. No, we don't have hills. We're the land of the the great green pancake around here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they're a little bit higher than that. You know, they're well over 10,000 feet high. Yeah, just peak, so Just little hills. Feet, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, you didn't have to climb to, to 11,000 feet to fly over there because there are low spots as well, you know, but no, we're probably crossing over to about 9,500 feet <laughs> to stay to stay plenty high over the... But, I mean, that airplane, you've flown that airplane, right? We should yeah. talk about you flying that airplane. Well, that's, we that's kind of where I, I was thinking of that when I picked the airplane up from out in the Portland area. You know, we got to take it down the West Coast and see just some amazing, yeah. you know, the amazing um, landscape of this country and just how different it is flying over mountainous terrain versus, right. again, the land of the great green pancake we have back here. So I just had to laugh at right. quick hop over the hill. Meanwhile, Serena and I were spending two weeks planning how we were going to get through one mountain pass on our way through Northern <laughs> California. Yeah, well, the nice thing is that it's RV-12 IS, the one-week wonder airplane you're talking about. Um, and and uh uh, I mean, the service ceiling on that thing, it'll, it'll climb to about 19,000 feet before it won't climb anymore. So you had, you had plenty of room 
where you were flying. And you got to see some really cool stuff and meet some cool people. I, I like the fact that you're posting videos as you went and, and whatnot. But the that West Coast tour, if you will, or Southwest tour that you did was uh, that's you, you got to cover some pretty cool ground. It was uh, definitely a once in a lifetime experience that I'll remember for a very long time. And uh, it was really special to meet all of the EAA members, you know, on that on that side of the, the country. You know, Chris, I know you've been coming to Oshkosh for for a very, very long time, and I know you can imagine ever missing it, but it's interesting when you talk to people out in that area, for them, getting to AirVenture, getting to Oshkosh is a once-in-a-lifetime yeah. opportunity. It's something they did 10 years ago, and they say, I don't know if I'll ever be back, or I'm still planning to go, and it, uh, you really appreciate that you know we're able to, to make it year in and year out. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're pretty spoiled on this end, but uh, but yeah, I mean that was well. And, and before I came, my first my first year ever, it was a bucket list item. And when I came, I'm like, okay, well, I made it. Who knows if I ever get back? Little did I know uh, that I, I'd be here. But um, but yeah, it uh, yeah, I absolutely. And we meet people every day that just coming to the museum uh, is just on their bucket list. They've always wanted to come. So. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, Greg, and you touched on you know showing people you can build an airplane. This is something that's within your reach. That was one of the things I picked up when Serena Camps and I had the airplane out west. Mm-hmm. You know, we met a lot of EAAers and chapter members, and again, a lot of those folks don't get to Oshkosh on a regular regular basis. So it was great to meet them. Right. But there was something about that aircraft. There was people from the community that came out to the airport that wanted to see it, and when they found out, you know, this is something that's within their reach. You know, you could see the gears turning in their head and looking over at their spouse saying, honey, we could do this in two years. And yeah. uh, that was uh, another really special uh, experience about taking it out there. And, uh, you know, I think the, the RV-12IS was the perfect vehicle to do that because, like you said, it's very performance capable. But well, And we built it in a week. Yeah, right? exactly. I say we. I was involved and I was there for long days. There, uh, there are probably five other people from Vans who were, uh, worked a lot harder um, and even longer hours and uh, and it, it was a fun pro it was a it was a i don't know we would do it we wouldn't do it every year i know for a fact we wouldn't do it every year it was it was a it was a grind but it was a worthwhile fun project right with yeah. lots and lots and lots of terrific volunteers with different levels of experience that came in and made it possible it's still mind-boggling that we but that we could build an airplane in six and a half days is what it was right um and finished it taxied it and at the end of day seven it flew um which was is is just amazing i mean to think about uh and 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 it was it was ready to go it was ready to fly um and so um it's not unusual for people to build like an rv12 uh, is uh in a couple of years or less not not that unusual i mean the teen program which is, uh, you know, I mean, we're teaching while we go, and that's an 18-month program, and that's 18 months of just Saturdays for for six hours a day. So people that, uh, you know, we're talking well under 1,000 hours to build an RV-12. We have RV, RV-14 is a big airplane, and people are building those in less than two years. I had quite a few that have flown this year that were built in right at right at two years or so. Um, so it's, uh, the, the technology is different now, which has... Um, open the doors to even more people, um, both from a how long does it take and how complicated is it, um, how much experience do I need, or what does it take to learn the things that I need to learn. And so that's one of the things, advanced that we're, that we're uh, 
that we're pretty big on is, you know, uh, taking advantage of the newer technology and adapting. We've made big investments in technology recently, for example, in order to make that possible. You know, we have a, uh, a really big, uh, fast, and very capable CNC punch press that we put in place about a year ago. We have a CNC mill, uh, four-axis CNC mill that we've just put in place and other technology investments that we're making right now to to uh, to further the current kits and also for things that we're working on, you know, airplanes that we're working on for the future. So you're building the RV-8A. You said yeah. that's your favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume you've flown most of the aircraft, if not all of them, in the in the van's fleet? I have not flown an RV-3. Okay. Um, and uh, But the other ones I've either flown or flown in, yes. So, so other than the 8, which one is uh, your favorite to fly and why? Oh, boy. This is like, what's your favorite child? <laughs> Actually, it's more like, what's your who's your favorite nephew or niece is the problem. So cause I already <laughs> said the 8. <laughs> um, you know, the RV-10 um, is is a pretty special airplane. Um, I didn't, I'll, I, honestly, I, I didn't realize how much I would like it. Um, it is a four-person airplane. It's not just four seats. You can put four real adults full, you know, in there, full fuel, baggage, and fly. Um, and it will still climb like a homesick angel, right? I mean, it will go. Um, and, uh, and it, it flies really nicely and it's fast. Um, it's, and it's just, all of the airplanes have a flying quality that, that makes them really fun to fly. Um, I have the most hours in RV-12s, being involved in team flight, taking care of that airplane and, um, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to do some, some flight test stuff in RV-12 since working and, 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 uh, and the RV-12 is a really nice flying airplane. You know that you've flown it. I hope you, I hope you agree. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a real nice flying airplane. I, you know, I, the favorite really depends on what I'm doing with it. I think more than anything else. Um, the 12 is really nice from an economy perspective. You know, when you can go 117 to 120 knots at 7,500 feet and burn less than four gallons per hour leaned out, in economy mode, then, you know, I mean, that that's saying something. Um, you know, it's not the fastest airplane, but what well, you sure can sure can have a lot of fun flying it. Like the logo says, total performance. There's a there's right. an aircraft for every type of mission in the van's <laughs> fleet, so I, I right. can understand why that's such a difficult uh, question to answer. Sure. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the concept of total performance is about, you know, is we want to get that speed you know, the top end speed as high as we can and the low end speed and the ability to, to, to take off and land slow and short. Um, we want, you know, it's, it's the balance between those things and what, what can the aircraft do in that regard. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the designs have all been focused around, you know, maximizing that envelope uh, for the mission at hand. So when, uh, Serena and I stopped out to pick up the, uh, Vans RV12IS One Week Wonder from right. 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a chance to see the uh, Vans Skunk Works area, and we saw the RV5 sitting back there, which I understand right. Chapter 105 has been involved. And obviously, you guys also had it at Air Venture this year. Uh, right. Can you talk right. a little bit about that project? How Chapter 105 got involved? What the the end goal for that airplane is? Sure. So the RV5 is a one-off airplane, right? Um, there's no kit available for it. Uh, for the record, there will not be a kit available for it. It was built back in the 
mid seventies, designed and built mid seventies and, and flew in, you know, around late seventies and eighties and, and again, a little bit in the nineties. Um, uh, it is a, it's an interesting looking airplane. Uh, and it is, um, was, it, it, it was built to, during a time when there was a fuel crisis. And so the idea was what can we build that would be as efficient as possible, uh, get maximum performance for a single place airplane, uh, and other requirements like we wanted to be able to not have the wings sticking out so that we could store it someplace, right? In this case, it was like scissor wings, if you will, that would ro a rotating wing so the one would point toward the aft end of the airplane, one toward the nose to be able to store it in a smaller area. Um, you know, fuel efficiency. So, you know, it has a two-stroke Rotax engine on it. Um, uh, the interesting thing is that an airplane uh, weighs, oh, probably 315 pounds, something like that. It's not very heavy, uh, and uh, and it will almost lift its own weight. So um, what you saw in there was the airplane after it was painted and everything. So it's gone through a few different iterations, and it flew quite a bit, especially back in the 80s. Um, Ryan Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, is our chief engineer, and a while back, Van had pretty much handed the airplane over him to restore and get flying again. And so Ryan has been working on that for quite some time. And here towards the end of the project, when the airplane was first built, um, EAA Chapter 105 members back in the 70s, there were members that were involved in building it, right? Um, so it was a group built kind of thing. And, um, you know, in that vein, if you will, or, you know, uh, we decided, well, well, we should get EAA Chapter 105 members and, you know, see if the people that might be interested in this reached out to some individuals and and, uh, and they came out and helped. Um, Alexander, our race scholar, is, is one of them. Uh, there's another kid who over at Dietz Air Park on the east side of town, he's kind of the, the airport kid you know, that just sort of shows up and wants to help on anything, um, you know, and, and then some old guys, right, from the chapter, and Ken Scott, who used to work at Vans, came over to help, and uh, and so we all get together in the evenings and work on putting that airplane together. Scott McDaniels, who um, runs a prototype shop, uh, painted it, and uh, we did take it to AirVenture, and uh, I think a lot of people got to see it, and it's, it was kind of neat and kind of unusual, got a lot of good questions, and um, it hasn't flown yet, but it will fly. And the intent is to make this a flying airplane again. So it's not just to restore it to make it look nice, but the idea is that it'll fly, and uh, we anticipate that'll happen pretty soon. It's close. So that made me think of uh, one other question that I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts on. So obviously you'd attended AirVenture as an EAA member and you right. know enthusiast. What's it like viewing the, the event from the, the other side of the lens as, a, as an exhibitor? I'm curious to, to hear your yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I've, I've actually... I've been asked that a couple of times um, in the past. So um, it's still amazing, right? Um, it's work. It's work. Uh, but it's fun work. Um, it's it's uh, exhausting in in a way that's different than, than it was uh, when if I wanted to take an afternoon and go crash in the tent, I could just go over to the North 40 and crash in the tent. Um, so, um, but it's a lot of fun. We, it's an opportunity to meet with, to meet for the first time, uh, or meet with people who you've met before, or maybe spoken to or emailed back and forth with in person and talk about, you know, what's going on and, you know, what do we, what have we, what are we doing next? Or, although we don't talk a lot about that, um, you know, and, uh, and kind of where are we going and answering people's technical questions or just helping people get their heads wrapped around what it is they want to do or they want to do next. Um, you know, and 
and and it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I get to work with a lot of really cool people, um, and certainly everybody that comes to Air Adventure is a bunch of really cool people. And so you know, we get to hop on a golf cart and go see things too. Um, and, and, and that's a lot, it's really a lot of fun. Um, I don't get to see the air show the way I used to get to see the air show and everybody's laughing. So they understand that. <laughs> so, um, there's, there's a lot more work and less opportunity to, to get around and see things. And, and that's probably the one thing that I miss the most at some point in time in the hopefully not too distant future it certainly won't be next year next year i know i already know i've already made myself busy for next year very busy uh but at some point in time it'd be nice to take a year off of AirVenture if i'm able ever, ever, ever able to do that uh and come back as an attendee um you know maybe when i finish my rva day that's i'd certainly like to be able to fly it back here whether i do that come and work or come back as an attendee either way i'll certainly do that that's awesome Greg, thank you so much for taking some time with us today and coming on the Green Dot. Uh, for everybody that's uh, home listening, we certainly appreciate your support, uh, your continued comments, reviews. Uh, they keep leaving them. They matter more than you know. We appreciate it. And um, David, thank you for for flying with me here today. And, it's my uh, pleasure, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Good time. Uh, you successfully filled in the roles of Tom and Hal very nicely. So. Um, but again, thank you all uh, for listening. Keep listening for our new episodes. Uh, thank you to Ty for manning the uh, controls behind the curtain there. And uh, just uh, keep listening to uh, The Green Dot. And until next time, when you're cleared to land on The Green Dot. Bye.